Hello, I'm Jacqueline Hillier and this is the Tantric Lounge where we talk sex, science and spirituality. Welcome to my second show and thank you so much for all the positive feedback I got from my first show. It really is wonderful to know that there really is a movement of us out there that we're cresting this third wave of sexuality, that we want to move beyond shame, beyond sleaze and, and really look at our sexuality as a way of empowering ourselves and being able to reach our full potential as, as human beings. I'm really excited that there's so many people out there who are on this journey and, and I really am honoured that I can guide you in some way on your journey. So today in our second show, we'll be taking you a little bit further on that journey. Last week, I introduced you in some way to me and, and my, my work. And we did some practical exercise too around feeling what it's like to be present in your body and present in time because that's very much at the core of what we need to be doing here. So this program is practical. I really do want you to learn from this and to move forward in your life. So again, in the third part of today's show, we will be doing another practical activity where we can learn about how we can actually keep that presence going throughout our lives and essentially that's around correct breathing. So stay on online for the last part of the show where I will be teaching you how to breathe properly. In the middle of the show as usual I very much welcome your questions and comments. You can send emails right now if you like to questions at thetantriclounge.com and later on we'll be giving you a phone number if you want to call in. So back to the first part of the show. And this is where we do the head stuff, where we start shifting your thinking and your understanding around sex and sexuality. And so importantly, today we're going to be myth busters. We're going to ditch some of those myths that absolutely plague our society. We've got such screwed up ideas around sex and what it is and what it means and what it should be. So just as last week, rather than lecturing you on all of this, it's far more uh, enticing and interesting, certainly far more lounge-like, to have interesting conversation. So I'm welcoming back my dear friend and creative collaborator, Xavier Watercane, to join me in this conversation. Welcome, Xavier. Hello and welcome, world. Um, Jacqueline, shall we just get straight into what's the latest on Planet Jacqueline, what's been happening? Because I noticed yesterday I think you were preparing for a workshop. I actually didn't realise until then that there was special cord for bondage. <laughs> I didn't know that people had actually specially made rope, yes. feel-good rope for bondage sessions. Not that you're going to do that in your workshop. I'm just, oh, I'm we just... do. No, no, we do a little bit. We do a little bit. Uh, yes, tomorrow I'm running uh, one of my couples workshops. And yes, there is an interesting segment where we get very sensual and get into some sensory experiences. So yes, pink bondage rope is in fact a little part of that. Does it come in other colours? Oh yeah, it comes in lots of colours. I offer pink and black. Yes. Yes, so that, that's happening tomorrow. What else is happening? I have released the first three of my ebooks that accompany this radio show. They're now available to buy on my website, uh, which is thetantriclounge.com or jacquelinehillier.com, goes to the same place. So I really invite people for just $5.50. And in fact, that's Australian. So for the American listeners, it's even less because our dollar is so low at the moment. Um, you can take me home with you and have me at any time that you like or buy all three for the price of 
too. I'm sure that many people find that an offer too good to refuse. Well, I hope so. Please, please take me home with you. I just so want it. Getting on to the myths part, Ah, which is the main part of the program today. Yes. Um, What is the biggest myth? Yes, I believe that the biggest myth that holds us back in the West is this idea that sex and spirituality are different and, in fact, polar opposites, that sex is in some way this base kind of animalistic activity and that spirituality and, you know, intellectuality and all those sorts of things are much more refined and rarefied and part of higher human experience and very much at odds with the base animalistic approach to sex. It's very much this idea um, that's been prevalent in probably more in the Judeo-Christian tradition than maybe in other traditions that sex is dirty. And I often find that term interesting because dirt of the earth. Yes. yes. So there's this idea that somehow what is earthly can't be spiritual yes. because what is spiritual mm. is not dirty, therefore clean, therefore <laughs> somehow rarefied, therefore in some yes. way um, purer, unsullied than what we here down on earth do. do. Yes, yeah, absolutely. And it's certainly not just the Judeo-Christian traditions. I mean, Tantra came about initially because people didn't want it just to be, you know, the priests and the monks who were cloistered away in their monasteries who were sexual, who were, sorry, spiritual and not sexual. It was very much about people, everybody wanting to be able to, be spiritual and to incorporate the sexuality. And in fact, it was a lot of the the view was that if you did not incorporate your sexuality, if you denied or suppressed this very powerful energy that's very much at the base of being humans, then in fact you couldn't achieve enlightenment. You couldn't achieve empowerment if you did deny this this energy. So in other words, one of the ways of getting enlightenment or finding God mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. was through sexuality. The absolutely essential part of it. Don't don't the Hindus, or oh, in the traditional Hindu um, view of the world, don't they regard that the orgasm is actually the way that God feels all the time? Yes, and it's interesting. The whole idea about sex, about celibacy as being you know, more spiritual, it's interesting because I once heard a monk saying um, in answer to a question as to why how he felt about not having sex, his response was, well, why would I when I'm coming all the time, right? So he had actually been able to channel his sexual energy to achieve that bliss, right? Now, when you engage in the type of sexual activity that I'm talking about, this enlightened approach to sexuality, you feel the bliss. You feel this natural joy just welling up in you. Okay, it's a very different approach to sex as some sort of sordid base activity that's just about getting your rocks off and going for a big orgasm. Yeah, and there's also this idea that sex is wet. There's all this wetness involved. There's there's all these juices and icky, horrible, oozy things coming out of orifices (laughs) and all of that sort of stuff and that somehow that can't can't possibly be spiritual. Yes, yes. Whereas spirituality is usually dry. It's it's this idea that Mm -hmm. people thinking about abstract thoughts or reading ancient dusty books. Yes, and then it's in your head and it's not in your body. It's not juicy that sexuality sexuality is juicy, but spirituality cannot be juicy. No, yeah, so that's certainly been what the tradition has been, yeah, which is why it's just so confronting for a lot of people to even think that somehow sex and spirituality 
can be merged. So how does one find God through orgasms? Oh, yes. Well, we will certainly be working on that over subsequent um, shows. Because one thing I want to stress to people, and a lot of people think that, oh, you know, Tantra is some kind of technique that you do because we're very technique-driven. And if I do these techniques, then I'm going to have these, like, cosmically awesome experiences and, yes, I'll find, you know, God through my orgasms. But this... Because we're talking about sex as being an, an, a higher expression of humanity, it's like an art form, right? And any art form takes practice, right? And you really need to start with the basics and you've got to really work on the basics. Anybody who's become a master anything, whether it's a, an artist, a dancer, a chef, a sports person, anything like that, knows that you have to start at the basics, right? And that's also why a third of my show is devoted to the practical sorts of things. So until you get your breathing right, until you're engaging in spiritual practice that enables you to get present, none of this is really going to work. You'll probably just find it a little bit dull. So because we're actually going in, in uh, stage by stage with these yeah. radio programs, you yeah. can also listen to them as a collection of a state-by-step process of becoming more in touch with yourself yes, and getting in touch with that deeper part of you yes. that will make the whole sexual experience more enhanced and will help yes. people realise their sexual potential. Absolutely. I think there's also this idea that just because something is natural, it doesn't mm -hmm. have to be worked on. Yes. Like breathing. Yes. Everybody assumes everybody can breathe, but yeah. there are some people who breathe more efficiently than others <laughs> because either by nature yeah. or because they've just thought about it. Yeah. They think about breathing or they practice breathing. Yeah. Everybody, most people can walk. Mm -hmm. I don't mean to the people who can't walk, there's no <laughs> prejudice there. Most people can walk, but that doesn't mean that they're going to be going into Olympic competition and walking no. or running mm. or anything else that is a natural yes. activity. Yes. But sex is just like that. Mm. It's one of those natural activities that become better. If you focus on it and develop it, yes. And that's the difference between taking something that you have to do as a human, like breathing or, or you know, or cooking or some of the, or, you know, drawing some of these natural expressions, natural things we need to do, and then developing it so it is an art form. And so it is, then it does become a, an expression of higher human achievement. And that's what working towards your potential is. And that's certainly what empowerment and enlightenment is. It's about being able to use these intrinsic gifts that we have and developing them to a very high level. And the flow-on effect is beyond just the bedroom, isn't it? Oh, because good heavens, yes. Because a person yeah. who improves their sex life by focusing on it, yes. thinking about it, understanding that it's an art as well as a science, as yes. well as a spiritual practice, as well as a purely physical, because base is okay too. Oh, absolutely. The animal parts of sex are great yes. just as well. Yes, absolutely. But it also flows onto all the other parts of life, just like Improving your breathing will yes. help in your general health, like yes. improving your diet will improve mm -hmm. in your general health. Yes. Improving your sex life will improve your general health in life. Yes, make your life m much more meaningful. So whether the listeners are here just because they just want to have, you know, better quality sex in the bedroom, great, you will pick up some information here. And for those who really want to take it to the extreme, who want to, you know, devote their lives to it like I have, I mean, the places you can go are really just quite extraordinary and you really do start manifesting this bliss state in your life and it just it just shifts everything. And for those of you out there who are already generating questions mm. in your head that you'd like to ask, Jacqueline, mm. uh, the number for 
reaching us is 1-888-346-9141. That's if you're in the US. That number again is 1-888-346-9141. Or if you're in the other parts of the world, uh, the number is your country, code 1 for the United States, uh, area code 480, then 398 one three eight zero. That number again is one four eight zero three nine eight one three eight zero. And while you were saying that, Xavier, and please do call in people. Um, I was just thinking one of the things that I really want to share with people around this idea that sex is is a higher human achievement, and it's not not this base animalistic thing that it's part of our potential as humans. And so I've been talking about this being the third wave of sexuality, how we had shame for so long, centuries upon centuries, where, you know, we didn't talk about sex, we weren't supposed to have sex. Um, well, you could have sex if you, had, if you were going to reproduce. It was slightly unfortunate, but, you know, there you had it. You know, the truly spiritual people, you know, joined convents and monasteries. And did enjoy sex. Oh, yeah, we well, weren't really supposed to enjoy it, particularly if you were female. Now, I'm going to go into the whole male-female thing, you know, in the next, in the next show. And how we completely downplayed female sexuality and how that's caused so many of our problems. But then when, the, when society did decide that sex was a good thing and it was okay to have sex in the 1960s and 1970s, I really believe that we still embodied this concept of sex as being somehow, you know, shameful and dirty. But we said that was okay. So now we've got this blossoming of sexuality that is still very much grounded in Naughtiness. So stage one, mm -hmm. sex equals dirty equals yes. bad. Yes. Stage two, yes. sex equals dirty equals good. Yes. <laughs> but sex is still equals dirty. Yes. So it's still base, but it's okay that it's base, right? So there's still this dichotomy, right? And a whole, a lot of what's kind of blossomed from this sexual awakening and this sexual permissiveness, which was very good in so many ways. But what I believe the problem is, is that we've still held to this idea that somehow sex, sex is bad. Yeah. And I see it so often because I talk to people all the time. Um, and then people are really confused because sometimes they do tap into the goodness or, or they, there is some goodness, but then they think that they should be like the porn stars and then they get confused by that. Or And we're talking about goodness not just as feeling good, but there is a certain other sense of well-being that comes. Yes. And they think that that's a bit strange. I shouldn't be feeling like this. Well, it's a bit puzzling because they don't know what that means. Often people come to me because they think maybe you understand what this is that I'm feeling or that we're experiencing, yeah? But I do believe that for most people the problem is, is you know, we've shifted, you know, from the shame to the sleaze. So we've kind of gone from porn star to from prudery, especially for women, to porn star. So a lot of people are trapped in this idea like, well, I either have to be like this out there porn star or I have to be a prude so like sex so stage one was sex equals dirty equals bad equals prudery yeah stage two sex equals dirty equals good equals being a porn star yeah yes yes and, and acting and you wonder why people are confused yeah well no i don't wonder anymore because i figured out why people are confused <laughs> and hopefully i'm helping all the listeners today get some understanding about why they might be confused and how if they can start ditching this particular myth, the number one baddie myth, that there's a difference between sex and spirituality. 
and that one's bad and base and that the other's high and rarefied. And when you bring the two of them together and incorporate them into your life, that's when the magic starts. And hopefully, hopefully you can clear up the confusion about the feelings that come with it because the role models are mm. both dysfunctional, aren't they? The prude is a dysfunctional role oh, model. The porn, mo- the porn is a dysfunctional Yes. Role and, model. and, you know, I mean, there's elements of those are okay, but it's when we've got that dichotomy. It's as ridiculous as saying, you know, base animalistic virtue spirituality. You know? That all food is bad. <laughs> all sex is bad. All food is bad. Yeah. Oh, some food is bad, but that's still good. Yes, but it's okay to have a bit of bad. It's a and in fact, like, I mean, don't get me wrong, people. I'm, you know, certainly in no way saying that sex, because that's the other thing. When I start talking to people about, you know, sex is good and spiritual, they think I'm talking about prudery, when in fact I'm not. So, and for those of you who have questions formulating in your head, you can also email at, at us at questions at thetantriclounge.com. That's questions at thetantriclounge.com. And we'll be right back after this commercial break. Hello, this is Jacqueline Hellier. Welcome back to the Tantric Lounge where we're talking sex, science and spirituality. And in particular today we are talking about ditching sex myths, those myths that hold us back. Not only do they confuse us, most importantly, they limit us. And if we're looking toward to expanding ourselves and our sexuality, then we don't want anything that's going to limit us. So today we're busting that most important myth of all, that sex and spirituality are two different and vastly opposing things. And we have our first question uh, emailed mm. um, from Janice from Poughkeepsie, I think you pronounce it, um, in New York State. Um, she asks, how does fantasizing fit in with enlightened sexuality? I guess it depends on what you're fantasizing about. Well, yes, it, yes, it would. And pe- that's one thing that people get confused about, whether they should be, you know, fantasizing or not when they're having sex. And, look, it depends where you're doing it and how you're doing it. If you're fantasizing as a way to sort of force an orgasm on because you need to have an orgasm, well, that's not necessarily the kind of sex that I'm talking about. I mean, it's okay. Look. Any kind of sex is okay. It's like food. You know, sometimes you might just want to eat a Snickers bar and other times you want to have a a gourmet feast. And so if you just want to have a little bit of quick sex and have a nice fantasy along the way, look, that's absolutely fine. I have no problems with that You have no problems with Twinkie sex? (laughs) No. No, no, no. No, that's cool. Um, Sometimes people, because in fact what you can do with your fantasies is you build up a type of sexual energy and that's the very powerful force. Now, I suspect that as you get better and more enlightened in your sexuality, these become less important to you. But certainly, you know, if you want to fantasise about, I don't know, Brad Pitt or Johnny Depp, you know, you're Johnny Depp, you know, Johnny Depp's captured you on his pirate ship and is about to have his wicked way with you. Well, you know, that's fine. That's fine. I'm sure he must be very busy in a lot of women's minds. So, yes, don't worry about your fantasizing. But how does that fit in with enlightened sexuality? That's the question. Yes. Okay. Now, if you really want to get into some enlightened sexuality, and we'll be talking about those practices down the track a little bit more, but you'll find The different type of sex you do, there'll be types of sex and the more tantric approach to sex where the fantasies like that don't necessarily fit in. It depends what your fantasy is, of course. But when you 
deeply connected with someone and you'll be finding the bonding and the depth and the energy rising will be through the connection and through that feeling of the energy rising within you. And you won't need to kind of force it from your head so much. You'll be allowing it to to well up from inside you. It'll be very much um, the, uh, coming from the sexual centre and, and from the heart centre and, and the merging of those two within you. And you can use the fantasy process to encourage that. You can use the fantasy process to get you in touch with your sexuality and with your eroticism and to become more sexual. That's absolutely wonderful, particularly for people who have been limiting themselves and even allowing themselves to feel sexual, women in particular. And for them, I encourage them to read erotica, to read erotic stories, whether those are sort of, uh, let's say, kind of more more out there romance type novels, which is fine, or, or more hardcore erotica, whatever works for them, so that they can start going, oh, oh, yes, I like that, <laughs> right? Because it's that mm, feeling that that you're looking for. And if initially you need to, to get some sort of external uh, stimulus to get that going, that's, that's fabulous. Um, over time, that becomes less necessary, but can still be a really delightful thing. I mean, personally, I quite enjoy spending a bit of solo time um, with a few of my favourite fantasies, um, and that's perfectly fine. It's like sitting quietly by myself and having a nice cup of tea and some nice toast or a piece of cake. Kind in, of a thing. In short, there's nothing unenlightened about fantasy. No, 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 absolutely not. And we have another question now uh, emailed. Paul from Jasper in Alberta. Mm. Oh, I'm quoting here. Yes. I like to fuck hard. <laughs> That's not spiritual, is it? Unquote. Ah, right. Okay, again, look, this is an example of people's beliefs about, you know, good sex, bad sex. It's that real porn star prude thing. So porn stars like to fuck hard and the prudes sort of don't really and they'll just kind of do it because, you know, they should or they want to have a baby or whatever it happens to be. There is absolutely nothing unspiritual about fucking hard. I mean, it's like saying that walking is more spiritual than running. Absolutely not. The only difference is is when you run, you, you sweat and that sort of, Wetness. Oh, that, well, it's the wet. It's the wet. It's, it's the those wet. liquids again. Yes. So, in fact, in the old days, ladies weren't supposed to run, and you know they weren't supposed to sweat. They perspired, kind of a thing. Um, no. Look, when you get in touch with your sexuality, it will be whatever comes naturally to you, and, so to speak. Yes. So, if you're engaged in lovemaking and it's connected and it's deep and you're just feeling it and you want to go wild, hey, go wild. In fact, here's a little take home for you listeners. Some people start to feel that sense of um, the the energy, the bliss energy suffusing their body by doing what I call interval training, which is when you're engaged in sexual intercourse with your partner and you want to be doing this, you're in a good space. And what you do is you do thrust really hard for about 10 to 20 seconds. Um, That would generally be the man doing the intense thrusting and then you stop. And you maintain eye contact, so you've got this really strong eye connection going and you're feeling really present in your bodies, you're doing some breathing, you're absolutely there. So you have this intense kind of, whoa, and then you stop, right? And then as the breathing happens, you may start to feel like this, this, this blissful energy suffuse your whole body. So it's not just about intense sexual uh, genital stimulation. It's about getting the feeling f- flowing through the whole of your body. And so if you do that hard and fast for a bit and then stop, 
okay, but maintaining the connection. So, yeah, a little bit of homework. A little bit of, what was his name? Um, that was uh, Paul. From Paul. Jasper. So, Paul, I, I encourage you to do that and for any of the other listeners too. So I call that sexual interval training. To get at the risk of sounding a little bit poetic and airy-fairy, mm. mm. if you can think, consider the sex act like a, a, sh- a rainstorm, Yes. Sometimes the rain falls very lightly yes. and gently. And oh, that's the, beautiful, and Xavier. The, and the ice and the little, <laughs> little droplets fall delicately on the leaves that drip, drip, drip. Yes. And sometimes yes. the storm gets yes. torrential. Yes. But it's still the storm. It's still part of that natural process. Yes. One part of the storm isn't any better, less, or, worse. better or worse or less natural than no. any other part of it. Yes. It's the same thing with this. Yes. If you're looking at sex as a spiritual experience, just because it's gentle and beautiful and delicate mm. mm-hmm. does not make it more spiritual than when it's hard and thrusting and maybe even a little violent, maybe even a little well, painful. Oh, absolutely. I have no problem with, with using pain. It's like, mus- so it's like, mu- it's like yes. music. Yes. It's like music. Sometimes you have soft passages and sometimes you have... Stronger rhythms. Absolutely. Okay. And, uh, oh, another, we have another um, local Mm. uh, from Geelong in Victoria. Rob asks. Yes. Quote, my partner doesn't have any interest in sex at all. Mm. I like the idea of tantric sex, but she seems to think that it's just a cover for me to get more sex. (laughs) What can I do? (laughs) Yes, I've heard that one before. You see, again, it's part of this problem that, we have that sex is seen as bad and, and it also taps into more of this thing that um, another big myth that I'm going to be talking about a lot more next week about men being you know, sexual and women not being sexual. So in a lot of couples where the man genuinely wants to have better quality lovemaking, he really wants to be able to connect more intimately with his partner, if she's bought into that myth, then she sees it as him just wanting to, if I can be really crude, get his dick wet right <laughs> it's like all he wants is to have liquids again oh more liquids <laughs> all he wants is to you know get his penis in a vagina so that he can have an orgasm right and they don't ha- necessarily have this concept that actually what he's looking for is intimacy right so part of his of uh sorry what's his name again uh rob part of rob um part of your challenge here and for any other gentlemen and women too who are finding that their partners aren't, aren't interested in pursuing this approach is just to stay with it, just do it gently. You can actually practice this approach to sexuality on your own. Um, but, hey, why don't you get to uh, listen to this radio show? Um, I, hopefully you've given me a pseudonym. <laughs> Should be going, well, yes, the, Rob, uh, is that you? <laughs> listeners and emailers are under no obligation to give us their real names. This is just true. Just so you know. Yes. But, I mean, even just in the last week since my first show, a lot of, um, you know, the clients have been coming to see me during the week. A number of them have actually said that the, together they sat down and listened to my show and they found it really interesting. And what it has doing for them is it's opening up conversation between them, like real conversation. Well, one would hope that radio is the medium for doing that. Yes, because, you see, this is part of the problem. Not only do we we have subconsciously these myths that we don't even know we're buying into, Mm -hmm. we then we don't talk about it, right? And so there's all these assumptions and so forth. So very typically you get couples like Rob and his partner where she's under one assumption that is actually incorrect. He doesn't have the ability to communicate that to her because they have no forum, no space in their lives 
to be able to talk about their love life. And then there's that old complicated situation where there's what you know, what mm-hmm. you don't know, yes. what you know you don't, don't know, know, and what you don't, <laughs> don't know, know you that you don't, don't know. know. Yes. And a lot of these confusions about sexuality is that because you don't know that you don't know this and yes. there is a better way. Yeah. And couples are frequently not communicating with no. each other because they haven't even questioned the assumptions because they don't know that they have assumptions exactly. that have to be questioned in the first place. Yes, yes. <laughs> I know. And that's why, you know, some people might think it's kind of odd that I started with this particular myth as being the biggie, right? But in all the work that I've done, you know, all the thousands of hours I've spent with clients and so forth, this one is just so entrenched. It's so entrenched we don't even realise it's there. Yeah, The myth that spirituality and sexuality are yeah. different things. Yes, and that sex, whether you want to call it spirituality or whether you just want to see it as, you know, sex is kind of like this base kind of, you know, thing that we do as opposed to the higher human endeavours, right? If couples were to see that their, their sex life was a beautiful thing that enhanced them as individuals and as a couple and grew the love for their family and so forth and, and discuss that in a really positive way just like they might plan a holiday. Or a meal. Or a meal or, you know, their investment plans or, you know, all these other things that in relationship we talk about because we know it's going to be good for us. Um, but, but often it's the sex that's kind of not discussed or lots of assumptions. And in the tradition of sex is something that polite people don't talk about, we actually have another question from Nola from Mm -hmm. Fremont in Nebraska. Yeah. Um, Quote, I was brought up as a devout Christian and Mm. still practice my faith, so I feel almost wrong in even listening to your show. Mm. Sorry about that. (laughs) Yeah, but good on you for being here. Yes. uh, uh, She continues, I haven't even told my husband, but what you're saying is ringing true for me. I do enjoy sex, and at times I have felt a sense of bliss and oneness. I always thought we had boring sex because Mm. it was nothing like what I imagined other people to be doing, but it is a slow and connected, maybe it's a bit tantric. Is tantric necessarily slow to connect? I don't know. Mm. Um, But to go on, I'd like to explore more, but I'm struggling with reconciling it with my Christian beliefs. Right. Yes, and that is a big one. And thanks for, you know, sharing so much there, Nola. Um, You know, and sadly too, as you're saying, you can't, you haven't told your husband about it. And this is another example of what we were just talking about, that, you know, this, this part of life that's just so fundamental, quite often one partner doesn't feel that they can share their interest or their thoughts around around their, their love life with their partner. It's a, it's a complex question, but mm. the, uh, let's break yes. it up into two parts. Okay. Nola is asking on the one mm-hmm. hand, how would she broach it with her? Yes. Could you have, do you have a quick way of, <laughs> of solving that or is that the subject of another uh, program, well, communicating, no, no, I mean, broaching the problem? Well, yeah, but, I mean, just one thing that comes to mind. I mean, Nola, you are listening to this program, so perhaps you could say, hey, hubby, you know, I was just happened to be, you know, browsing through Voice America and just stumbled upon this program, you know, and I'm kind of thinking that, you know, we have really actually rather, you know, in the bedroom where we do it rather well when I was listening to this woman and I just think that we should maybe look at it a little bit. What oh, would you so, like to listen? Well, it could be that maybe if Nola incorporates some of these ideas, especially with the breathing exercise yes. that you're giving in the third part of the program, yes. that she might be able to then mm-hmm. use whatever she's learned from doing that yes. in the next session with hubby and afterwards yes. he might be surprised where did you 
get that from and he says, well, I've been. Well, yeah, it could that be. That could be a way of, yeah. of, of and approaching And lots of positive subject. strokes as well. Like whenever. <laughs> so to speak. Yeah. So whenever your partner, you know, does something or you've had an experience together that's really good, it's really important that afterwards, you know, especially in that post-nuptial bliss phase, you kind of go, well, that was really nice, you know, and, and actually start you know, almost like debriefing and, and having a bit of a having a bit of a chat about it. And the second part of her question, which mm. was uh, which is a really biggie, how yes. does she reconcile it with her Christian beliefs? I guess it depends on what her Christian beliefs are. Well it does. And what I'm talking about here is certainly does not go against Christian beliefs in any way. I mean it's completely non religious. You know, spirituality applies to everything. Religion is just a particular a- approach, a particular style of spirituality. Um um, any more than sort of saying, you know, you should like, you know, Japanese food, but you shouldn't like Italian food or something like that. Yeah. This, our, our sexuality is intrinsic to everybody. And, you know, God made us and God you know, made us in his well, own image. Well, so. the, well the, big, the big Christian belief is no sex outside of marriage, no and look, sex and before that's marriage. Okay. And if you don't want to have sex outside marriage, that's fine. This does not contradict those kind of values. And it doesn't necessarily mean, Nola, that you need to feel that you're a slut because you're enjoying sex because I think that's another... Well, that could be partly what's underneath it, yes, yes. This feeling that only good girl, good girls don't enjoy sex. So, mm. again, that's, that has nothing to do with Christianity. No, 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 that's just a social thing. Yeah, and it's not even true. Okay. Because Nola has said that she actually does enjoy sex, <laughs> which and, is wonderful. Yes, and a lot of good Christian and women yes. do and a lot of good women, Muslim women do and a lot of good <laughs> Christian men and Muslim yes. and Jews yes. and Everybody. Buddhists. Yes. There's even Buddhists. <laughs> yeah. And when you do, when you're having this quality lovemaking, then you're releasing the happy hormones, which is good for you, good for your relationship, good for your family, good for the world. I wonder whether atheists have better sex because they don't have a lot of the religious program. <laughs> that would be an interesting study, wouldn't it? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe that's another subject for a future program. Um, atheists and sex. Uh, we'll get back to you after this commercial break. <laughs> okay. And for the to our earlier comments, uh, we have another email, a quickie from Al the Atheist from San Francisco, probably not his real name, who says, yes, atheists do have great sex and they even have a place for Twinkies. Oh, so, <laughs> so, yes, well done, Al. Um, yes, yes, I think we've just the mind, proven. The mind boggles. I think we've just proven that it doesn't matter what your religion is, we can all have great sex. And you know why that is? Because we're human. Right. Yes. And because we're human, we are animals, and because we are animals, we need to breathe. Yes. Which is a core part of being alive. It is a core part of being alive. And fixing the breath will fix a whole bunch of other things. It will indeed. It will indeed. You know, if you if you look at a baby breathing, if you lie the ba- your little baby on its back, you'll notice... For those of you who just happen to have one lying around. <laughs> Borrow one from your neighbours if you don't have quick access or make one in nine months from tools you can find in your own home. <laughs> Thank you. May I continue? Yes, of course. Sorry. Yes, yes. God, this is serious. Now, I know sex is playtime for grown-ups and I know that talking about sex can be as enjoyable as doing sex, but I know the listeners are very keen to get some practical advice here. So 
Okay. So if you do look at a baby lying on its back, you will notice that its little belly is going up and down as it breathes. So when we're first born, we naturally breathe to our bellies. And as we get older, the breath becomes shallower and shallower. There's a lot of people out there who are really only breathing almost just to their shoulders. Now, have, just try it right now. Just imagine that you're only breathing just to the upper part of your chest okay so it's really just your shoulders i'm doing this too are you how do you feel when you do that xavier well i don't normally breathe like that so i have to think about that yes yes it's an exercise well it's restrictive yes and it's i actually find that my my throat tenses up Mm. yes it's not a pleasant feeling do you feel anxious at all when you breathe so shallowly no but i can imagine how somebody might yes yes because, well, I certainly feel anxious. Oh, because it's the other way shallow. around. Anxiety will create shallow breathing. Yes. So shallow breathing, breathing can creates. create the sense of, it's yes. like when, you smi- when you're upset and you smile, you'll yes. feel better. Yes, yes. Even if you're not feeling good at the time. Yes. So, ah, and we have, I know where you're going here. Yeah, thank you. <laughs> yes, because I didn't brief you on this, did I? No, you didn't. No, no, it's a surprise to him too, listeners. So, and we have a crisis of anxiety in the West. Like there's more and more people suffering from anxiety. And rather than being taught how to breathe, we're just giving these people, you know, really addictive drugs with horrible side effects. <clears throat> so, and also one of the biggest problems people have sexually is anxiety, performance anxiety, or even performance anxiety, anxiety, which is when they worry about their performance anxiety. So, by being able to breathe, even if you're only interested in sex, and what I'm talking about here is just to have, to have you know. A good bonk. Yeah, just better quality, you know, activity in the bedroom, or whether you want to take it further and really incorporate it into your enlightenment and spiritual development, breathing is at the core, right? So what we're going to do here is we're going to learn how to breathe into our bellies. So what I'd like you to do is just put your hands on your belly. So that's just below your navel just below your belly button okay and then on the in breath I'd like you to expand your belly as though it's a balloon and as you're breathing in you're filling up your belly and so then, my rib cage isn't necessarily expanding. no your rib cage is not necessarily expanding not for this bit okay okay and then on the out breath you're going to be contracting your belly so you're pulling your navel back towards your spine okay all right so on the in breath you're expanding out, filling up like a balloon. It's hard to expand in. And on the out breath, you're contracting and you're drawing your navel back to your spine on the out breath. Okay, so breathing in and expanding out. And now if you want, you can also add your chest to that as well. So you're getting this sense of filling up from the pelvis upwards. That's how the breath is coming in. Now, I'm going to play um, some, well, I call it the ding music. And what is it? It is, it's a, it's a balanced breathing pacer. Every six seconds, you'll hear a ding. Now, this comes from some colleagues of mine who've done some fabulous work on multiple brains, and I will be inviting them in to have a chat at some stage, um, that we have the brain in the head, obviously, in the heart and in the gut, Um and how all of that modern scientific revelation is relating to a lot of these old um, um, traditions. Anyway, if you go to their website, which is mbraining.com, you can download this from their resources section. So I'm just going to start playing that now. Now, for some people, this is going to be really, really slow, way too slow. So if you start getting um, hyperventilating or getting a little bit dizzy, Just go back to your normal breathing for a little while. 
And of course, if you are driving or operating heavy machinery at the moment, don't do this, okay? Do it later. Right, so you hear the ding on the next ding, ding, and we're going to be breathing in, expanding the belly on that ding, collapsing the belly and allowing the breath to flow out. Ding, breathe in, ding, breathe out. Yes, next ding, we're breathing in, expanding, opening the belly, filling up our bellies and the chest if you like, and then dinging out, it collapses down again, right? Now, what we're doing here, I'm going to keep talking and I want you to keep practicing the breathing, okay? Otherwise, it would make for very boring radio. So focusing on the ding and just regulating your breath so that you're breathing in and then you're breathing out with the next ding. And very importantly, this needs to have a, a circular feeling to it so it doesn't stop. It's not like you're doing this big in-breath, holding it for a while, tension, pressure, and then breathing out. No, it's like a wave lapping on the shore. You're breathing in, you're allowing the breath to fill you up from the pelvis upward, filling up your body, and then on the out breath, you're just allowing the breath to flow out continuously over the six seconds, and then you're allowing it to flow back in again, and it becomes very peaceful. It's very rhythmical. So keep practicing that. While I keep talking, I'm going to tell you some of the benefits of doing this. The more you, you become able to breathe into your belly, because you can train yourself to breathe to your belly all, you, all the time. I do. I naturally breathe to my belly. That's partly from all of the um, Aikido and martial arts training that I've done in the past. Um, so I'll be encouraging you to download that music if you can or do something similar. Spend five minutes a day. Breathing like this, just very simply sitting comfortably, very slow breath in and the breath out and allowing it to be your belly and it's actually different muscles. It's your, it's your abdominal muscles as opposed to your diaphragmic muscles that are causing the breath. Now, the benefit to this as well, it keeps you calmer. It keeps you centered. So as you go through life, you're less rocked by things that sway you. Right. So also in life, when you notice that you're feeling a little anxious or a little tense or frustrated or any time when you feel it's kind of like that energy's rising in your body, you can feel it coming up when you're feeling tense or agitated in some way. Notice that and then consciously bring you, your breathing down to your belly. That's another really good time to practice using the belly breath. And even if you're driving, if you drive a lot, every time you're at the, the, red, the red lights or the traffic lights, just do the breathing until it turns green. Okay, you can often find times in your life where you can bring your awareness back to your breathing until gradually it becomes natural. And so when you bring this approach to breathing into your lovemaking, if you do suffer from anxiety, and for a lot of guys that can cause them to come too quickly or not be able to come at all or to lose their erection, bring your awareness back down to your belly, calm everything down, do some breathing. It's the same for women too. A lot of women who have trouble orgasming, for instance, it's like they're trying too hard. They're tensing up. They're trying to force the orgasm. Whereas if you allow the, just get into the breathing, relax, lie back, enjoy the pleasure, and then you can release into the orgasm and allow it to just flow out of you. It's very different to that forcing the orgasm out type of approach that 
we often think of as normal in our society. Now, the other reason that I want you to, to do this as part of your regular practice is because traditionally anyone who wanted to follow some kind of tantric or Taoist or Kudosha type um, tradition and use their sexuality to improve them um, spiritually or to empower them more fully in life were required to have a strong spiritual practice already. Okay, as I said at the beginning, this is not about some little tips or tricks that you can add, all right? This is lifestyle. This is, this is transformative. So if you don't yet have some kind of regular spiritual practice, whether that's meditation or, you know, even going for runs in the morning for a lot of people is, is quite a meditative type thing, start doing this. Start doing a five-minute breath every day. And if you can add to that that body scan that I taught you last week, so you're really getting present, all of this activity, and a lot of this is stuff that you do on your own, right? And we're going to be adding some self-pleasuring type things to this as well in, in future shows. But this is the basic. It might seem boring, but until you get this right, you're never going to have the awesome sex that you could and you're never going to be able to reach your full sexual potential. So how are you feeling there, Xavier? You're looking a bit spaced out. <laughs> Wake up. <Xavier. laughs> That's probably the sound engineer probably didn't appreciate that. <laughs> so how do I feel about that? Um, very calm, very relaxed, mm. whatever the opposite of anxious is. Yes, calm and relaxed. Yes, well, there you are. Do you feel quite present in your body? Oh, I'm always present in my body. I'm always well, acutely true. aware of everything that's going that's on. That's true. It can be very distracting, in fact. Yes. Nevertheless. So for the listeners. For the, for the listeners, I can, I can imagine that the value of this is mm. just to bring you back to yourself so that you're not worried about the phone bill or, yes. or the exactly. mortgage payment or exactly. whatever it is that will distract you from having a quality sexual experience. Yes, absolutely. Yes. And if you want the e-books that mm -hmm. accompany this series, you yeah. can get them at JacquelineHillier.com mm -hmm. or you can type in Tantric Lounge into Google. The TantricLounge.com. The into yes. the search engine. Yep. And, of course, you can always ask questions at any time mm -hmm. so we can yes, store can up our emails yep. for next week, especially if you have questions about this breathing exercise, mm -hmm. etc. Again, yes. can be done at any time, etc. It can. In fact, I wanted to say for those of you who do have partners, it can be really nice for the two of you to do this together. You can either lie down side by side and put your hands on each other's bellies as well as your own. Um, that can be a really lovely way of, of doing it together. Or you can just sit facing each other and breathing, or you can sit back to back and breathe. Right, and start aligning your breathing. That can be that's a very, very basic tantric activity and it can be really quite lovely. And of course for questions, if you want to email us, it's questions at thetantriclounge.com. Yes. Yes. And what's up for next week? Yes, for what, next... what what are we getting that will pop up next week, <laughs> so to speak? Oh yeah, so funny. Yes. Next week we're gonna continue with the myth busting. Got some more um, myths to ditch. And next week we're going to be focusing on another major myth, which is the one that women are less sexual than men, right, and a lot of the myths that are around the masculine and the feminine. 
or men and women, and I really want to explore some of that a lot more. What it means to be male or what it means to be masculine, what it means to be female, what it means to be feminine and how those two work yeah, together. Yeah, it's very much about the complementarity of the sexes. You know, this whole thing about, you know, the opposite sexes, that's crap. All that does is cause friction and dysfunction. We are the complementary sexes. And really uh, what I want to say is that men are from Earth and women are from Earth. Okay, we've actually got a lot more similar. Dirty Earth, dirty Earth. <laughs> There's a lot more similarity than there is difference. Wet Earth. And, and the, difference, the differences between the male and female are actually good and we can work with them. It's complementary. So that's very much what we're going to be focusing on next week. And the practical exercise, we're actually going to get into our pelvic floor. It doesn't sound very sexy, but oh boy, when you've got your pelvic floor working well, Good things happen. And we're talking about the pelvic floor muscles, the pelvic yes. floor area. So yes. it's about strengthening the muscles down there. Yes. It's about using them to create, to move energy and to move bliss around your body. Because after all, sex is an energy, isn't it? It is indeed. More than anything else. Yes. Well, thank you. I think we're drawing this to a close now. Yes, yes. I can feel the wind up. <laughs> I can feel the <laughs> I can see the wind-up. I can just feel the wind-up. Well, I do so much love having you on my show, Xavier. Will you join me again? Of course. Yes. And you two listeners, I hope you'll join us again same time, same place next week um, here down on the Tantric, Tantric Lounge. Lounge.